Grab your popcorn and snacks. Find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. How is everyone? Wintry afternoon. Cold, cold, cold afternoon. Welcome, everybody. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And this is the California Haunts radio show. California Haunts is also a paranormal team. I own the paranormal team. We're 45 strong up and down the state of California. Uh, That means we have somebody in almost every county. So if you have a paranormal need, get get a hold of me and uh, we can get to you. Even though it might take an hour or two to get to you, we will find a way to get to you. The other thing we do, too, is uh, we're not one of these groups that goes out just to find... I forgot to push my button. Jeez. Okay. Uh, we're not one of these groups just goes that goes out just to find a ghost. We go out and we look at everything. We're looking at electrical issues and anything natural and anything man-made that, that could be also contributing to the issue. And if we can't find an answer that way, then we go in and start looking at the paranormal part of it. So we're there to help you full service. If you get a group that goes out that doesn't do that, don't take them in. Okay. Anyway, we're 45 strong up and down the state, and we also have affiliates in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. So if you have any issues out there, get a hold of us out there. All right. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at CalHaunts. You can find me on Instagram at GhostyGal, all lowercase. You can also find us on TikTok. I remember these things. TikTok, California Haunts, all, go, all lowercase. But mostly on Facebook. We're, we're, we're everywhere on Facebook. And if I forgot anywhere, except for YouTube. You can find us on YouTube as well. You know, this is our YouTube channel and our Facebook channel. Anyway, if you like the show tonight, especially during the time you're listening to it. Hey, Athena, how are you? Haven't seen you in a while. Um, if you like the show, please share it with other people. And if you do like it and you haven't done so already, please... Um, Please hit that like button and join up. I could say join up, you know, um, become whatever, whatever it's called, become a member on, on, on Facebook, a follower. That's it. I knew the word was there. God, it's one of those days for me. And if you're watching from YouTube today, uh, please be sure if, if you do like the show and you want to follow us, please be sure to click on the little ghost in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen. That will click out the little red thing that says join or, or subscribe. We've got over 40 or 400 some odd videos. Jeez, my day is just not going well, is it? We've got over 450 videos sitting over there, and they're all different topics. Um, And we actually had somebody that's uh, an upcoming guest that we were talking about anxiety. I'm a journalist. I'm a photojournalist, so I like to change it up. So, yeah. So I'm sure if you go over there and check out our YouTube page, there'll be something that you like. And you can go there at uh, youtube.com forward slash ampersand california haunts radio you can just see everything's there it's kind of overwhelming when you get over there but uh, i look forward to it i love having subscribers and uh, you'll also get to know when new videos are coming out like this one anyway this gentleman dr scott taylor was with us a couple weeks ago and i think i was having internet issues i've since upgraded and hopefully today goes a little smoother because we were having a really great discussion but uh we kept glitching in and out, kind of like that that Mario video game when Mario keeps falling off the screen. That's what was happening that night. We all kept falling off the screen. So hopefully today will be nice and clean. And so far, it's been stable. I've had it since Sunday night. And the internet's been really stable. So hopefully it stays that way. 
anyway, we're going to be talking about shared death experiences tonight and shared near-death experiences, which is kind of interesting. I think Scott can explain it a lot better than I can. But I know, um, you know, I, I, I'm figuring it's kind of like a shared dream experience, like like when you have a dream and maybe your your husband or your sister has a similar dream. But this is, has to do with death. So I want to let him explain it. All right. So let's bring him in. Hello. Charlie, it's really good to see you. It's good to see you not blinking off the screen. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> that was scary, Doug. That was kind of scary. Well, it was perfect for us. California haunts. And, yeah, yeah. And our last time together was, <clears throat> yes, scary or from another world or something. I don't know where I kept going, but I kept going somewhere. So ooh, probably that other dimension. Well, you do know that people who've had near-death experiences come back with some kinds of after effects. And one of them is that they are just terrors around electronics. So yeah, see? most, most of, you know, most people who've had near death experiences can't wear watches. They've got to have, you know, the special crystals next to their computer. They're grounded. I mean, they do all kinds of things to make sure that they're, um, can exist compatibly with the technology that's out there today. Fascinating. Absolutely. Fascinating. Tell everybody about you, sir. Okay. Glad to, um, I am a, um, a guide to the afterlife, and my principal business is the Expanded Awareness Institute, and from there, what we do is we offer courses and albums on, that uses guided meditations to take people to the same places that near-death experiencers go to or shared-death experiencers go to, and we do it without the physical trauma, which is a really good deal, by the way. Um, yeah, we do it using a special form of meditation and it's really effective. And, you know, it's just more fun than one person should have, you know, to, you know, kind of preview your own transition and learn how to navigate in, in the non-physical world. So that's what I do now. Um, before this, I had a 20-year career in retail. I had a 20-year career um, mentoring small businesses for the state of Minnesota. And for the last couple of years, I have been uh, executive director of the Monroe Institute. I'm retired from that now. And that leaves me with time to talk to you, Charlotte. <laughs> well, what got you uh, started looking into these things? Um, I had a, uh, a shared death experience and do you want me to tell the story? Absolutely. All right. That's what we're here for. Well, and I'm partly Irish. So, you know, the whole story thing gets, is important in our, in our family. Um, this is back in 1981 and I'm in love with a woman. Her name is Mary Frances Randall. And she and her son, Nolan, who had just turned seven, uh, were coming back from a sailing day on Lake Washington in southern Minnesota. And on their drive back, they were involved in this horrific car accident. And Mary Fran was killed outright. And Nolan um, suffered a, a, a mortal head wound. And luckily, 
we live in southern Minnesota, and that's, you know, where we weren't that far from um, Rochester, which is where the Mayo Clinic is. Mm -hmm. So they were immediately both transported to Mayo, and they received, you know, just world-class care. But, you know, there was there was no saving Mary Fran, and um, uh, they really took good care of Nolan in the six days between the accident and when he uh, made his final transition. And that six days becomes important because um, Mary Fran was one of nine kids. And, and because there was this time lapse, um, all of the, the siblings were able to converge on Rochester along with uncles and aunts and friends and grandparents. And um, and that's just Mary Fran's family. And then there's my family. So there were, I don't know, 40, 50 of us that were holding vigil for Nolan um, there. And, and because there were so many of us, what we decided to do, because the hospital room was, it's small, you know, there's a bed and there's a bunch of monitors. And so uh, we, we just divvied it up so that there were two of us in and that were with Nolan uh, the whole time that, um, you know, he was, he was there. And as it turns out, my shift, uh, was on the morning of the sixth day. It was from 3 AM to 5 AM in the morning. And I did it with, uh, Mary Fran's oldest sister, Jannie. And the two of us, um, you know, got there at three in the morning and we had, uh, you know, a book that of stories that Nolan really liked. And so we read him stories and we talked about uh, what was going on with his care and who the nurses were that were coming in. And in particular, we talked about how um, how his <laughs> this sounds so silly because it was very funny. Um, his uncles had decided that this waiting room that we were all stuffed into was too small and it didn't have enough chairs. And, and so they went out at midnight and they raided the couches in the Mayo clinic and took all of their cushions away and, you know, spread them out on the floor so people could get some comfortable rest. And so we were telling him these stories, which was really important because um, we had been counseled earlier in the week that, um, even though Nolan was in a coma, uh, the, you know, one of the very last senses to go is the sense of hearing. Mm -hmm. And so if we could talk to him and tell him, you know, what's going on, that, that he would feel engaged with us. And if it was, um, uh, he knew that he wouldn't be all alone. And, and so that's what we did. Well, it gets to be about quarter to five in the morning and Jeannie um, looks at her watch and, and she goes to the end of the bed and picks up the clipboard with the, um, his chart on it. And then she looks up at all of the monitors that are, you know, surrounding the bed. Mm -hmm. And she holds out her hand to me and says, you know, Scott, it's, it's time we say goodbye. And so we pulled up a couple of chairs next to his head and, and we told him that he had been 
an incredibly brave boy and that he was really fighting hard to stay with us and that we could we could see how hard he was fighting and and we just loved him for that tenaciousness and 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 there were so many of us that he should take comfort in the fact that we were all there and surrounding him and giving him all of our love but if his if his mother should come to pick him up remembering that she died six days ago mm-hmm. um, that if mary france should come and to pick him up that that would be the right thing to do would be f- for him to go with his mother and 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 w- that we would miss him but that would be um that the two of them should be together so um we ended it just by sharing our affection and now it's five o'clock and the next shift is coming in and we left and tried to find a, a spot on one of the cushions on the floor well it wasn't more than 45 minutes later that the nurse on the on the floor came up and said um he's he's slipping and it's going relatively quickly that everybody should um you know go in and be with him in his room when he makes his final transition so we did we all filed into this little hospital room and as it just turns out i'm i'm one of the very last people to enter in the room and you know charlotte it's already four or five deep around the bed and i didn't see much sense in just standing there so you know i went over and i sat on the windowsill next to uh, mary fran's youngest brother willie and i don't uh, i don't know have you have you been with somebody who's made their transition yes so at, at least in nolan's case it was very gentle um and mostly what we did was we just waited and and we would you know watch that heart monitor that was in the in the room and it slowed and slowed and slowed and finally it just you know did that flat line thing with that really ominous tone that it makes when it does that um and when nolan flatlined what i experienced was mary fran coming across the veil and scooping her son out of his physical body and that the two of them had this exquisite reunion as you could only imagine between a mother and son in this situation and for some reason um i got to experience what they were feeling and it really surprised me i it kind of sat me back a little bit and and then even more to my surprise with it was that after the two of them had their reunion they they turned to me came over and embraced me and then the three of us left and went to the light wow and what 
I experienced entering into the light, Charlotte, was just, just beyond words. It was joy. It was ecstasy. It was um, requited longing. It was um, compassion. It um, All of those emotions. And then also I felt like I was connected to everything that was around me, you know, like I was me, I got that, but I was also connected to everything else that was around, um, you know, that I was literally, I was one with the universe. Mm -hmm. So what happened then was that Mary Fran and Nolan and I had a chance to be together and that we had a chance, we had a chance to properly say our goodbyes and declare, you know, how much um, love and affection that we had for each other. And, and then we just had a chance to hang out. <laughs> We, we got a chance to be together, the three of us. And then, this just sounds so odd, but it at some point, it just felt complete. Like we had said all we needed to say, mm -hmm. and we'd expressed what we needed to express. And it was it was like, we're done now. And I mean, nobody said that. It just, it felt like that. And then Mary Fran and Nolan turned and went further into the light. And then I came back to my physical body, which was sitting on the windowsill, you know, next to Willie over here. And so that's, that's part A of the story. I thought maybe I should break right here. See if you got any questions for me. When you left your body, was there any sort of sensation or anything? Um, Hmm. Okay, so we're going to jump right into part B because there you go. There okay. we go. So thank you for that segue. Okay. Um, <laughs> so what happened was, um, I was there in the in the light with Mary Fran and Nolan, and I was also in my physical body at the same time. Mm -hmm. So. Um, I didn't have a word for it then. Now I do. Um, it's called bilocation. I was fully present with Mary Fran and Nolan in the light, and I was fully present sitting there on the windowsill next to Willie. And so there, it, there were two of me operating independently. And I know this, Charlotte, because I'm sitting there on this windowsill and it is like the love of the universe is trying to burst out of my physical body. And as a result, um, my face was an expression of joy, of ecstasy, of, of all things wonderful. And it was entirely inappropriate for the room, you know, because just moments before, Nolan had made his transition and just six days before Mary Fran had made her transition and the room, I mean, all these people were actively grieving 
and you know they're hugging each other they're crying on each other's shoulders and you know they're they're trying to give each other as much comfort as possible and i'm not in that place you know i'm i'm with the love of the universe and my face is just like and if anybody had looked at me they would have wondered what was going on and i knew i was inappropriate and i couldn't stop it because it's just it's just so wonderful so i did the only thing i could think of which was to cover my face with my hands mm -hmm. and and i remained in that pose until you know both halves of me came back and were re reunited i could regain my composure you know and then i could put my hands down and join the others and you know giving what comfort i could and, and receiving what comfort i could so the question was a good one um did, how did it feel when i left my physical body well I did and I didn't, <laughs> you know, I was, I was in two places. Um, and for the part of me that was in the light with Mary, Fran and Nolan, um, it felt like I had just stepped into another dimension. I didn't have this sense of, you know, like a tunnel and all that kind of stuff that you read about. This was just, me experiencing a new dimension in a way that I had never experienced it before. I mean, I didn't go anywhere other than I had, I had shifted into a, a, another place with Mary Fran and Nolan. And was that in the same room? Was it the same planet? I have no idea. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm just in another place with the two of them. It's interesting when you say that, because I had a friend who um, was psychic and she would see ghosts on her property all the time. And she told me that uh, she saw this one particular woman walk across her lawn and she didn't really see a door, but it was weird. She said, because it looked like she was opening a door and she took two steps up and she could see her clearly walk in like she was going into another dimension. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a friend of ours who was watching television one night and he looks up and he sees these people just walking through the end of his room. Mm -hmm. Like same sort of thing. Like they opened up a door, they just walked through, opened up another door and, and they disappeared. And, you know, for the life of him, it was like, well, you know, thanks for coming, folks. But <laughs> there was no contact or anything there he just he just saw him and yeah clear as day oh yeah so that, it, might be the, that dimension you're talking about and the, you know sylvia brown's the one that said that the other side is is no more than three or four feet away from us at all times so at knows? all times and i'd, yeah, I'd say it's less than that um you know my experience of it is that it's it's a shift in vibration like we're here in the physical and we're vibrating at one level mm -hmm. and and because of what mary fran and nolan did they shifted my vibratory level up so that i could be with them in that other dimension where they were and so 
we didn't we also didn't have a word for it but i what i had was a shared death experience that's a term that was coined by raymond moody the same guy who coined the term near-death experience mm -hmm. and and for 20 years it was called a, a near-death-like experience until he rethought it and he had enough um, exposure to people who'd had it that he renamed it and called it a shared death experience and it's um it's very similar to a near-death experience but it has a couple of different components that are different now my question is what did they i mean when, when you see the movies and you, and you see people on the other side you know you kind of see them in a in a glistening white hue you know or in a foggy kind of white hue what, what did they look like i mean did they look like you and me or was it different so to say well, I've talked to a bunch of people who've had shared death experiences mm -hmm. and it's all over the map. Okay. Um, in my case, um, they were, it, they were energy. And as close as I can say is that I recognize their energetic signature and I just knew who they were, you know, and no, they didn't appear to me like, you know, in corporeal form where I could go, oh, yeah, you know, Nolan, you need to comb your hair. You know, I, it wasn't like that. It, it They were energy beings that I absolutely know that it was the two of them. And then we communicated. So I knew from that, too. Um, but I've talked to folks where they came back and they looked exactly like they did in the physical world sometimes. They're even corporeal, meaning you can touch. And um, my old office mate, when I was mentoring businesses for the state of Minnesota, his wife came back after she'd been gone about six months. And the two of them um, embraced each other. And he felt her, you know, it was it was real stuff. And 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 he could feel her hugging him and they were able to talk to each other and when they finished she just dissolved in his arms mm -hmm. you know so it's all over the board and i i kind of have this feeling that it's the experience that we get is what we're able to understand that's what i was thinking yeah so it's it's designed for us to um maybe for whatever reason i was more accepting of the fact that they could be energy bodies i mean i never doubted it for a second i mean mm -hmm. it was, that's mary fran and nolan right and right. what we also know about um chair death experiences is that uh, there needs to be a couple things present one is that there needs to be a heart connection between the two individuals so, um, so in order for me to accompany them on Nolan's transition, you know, there needed to be a heart connection. Well, there certainly was a heart connection with Mary Fran and I, and with Nolan, um, that was easy because he actually never knew who his biological father was. Um, the biological father had disavowed any knowledge of his actions and chose not to be a part of their family or support them or you know he just disappeared mm -hmm. so 
um, Mary Fran just just didn't tell him. It wasn't wasn't important. And so when I came into the picture and we started being, you know, a couple and then a threesome as I started to get to know Nolan, um, um, he was really accepting of the fact that there could be a man in his life that he liked. And frankly, you know, he was six, just turned seven. And, you know, every other kid in first grade has a dad. Right. And, he didn't have one. And so we, we bonded relatively quickly. And so that's, that's required that there is a heart connection between the, between the two people. The second thing that's required for a shared death experience is that, um, the one making the transition Mm -hmm. and then the, the experiencer, in that case, it's me. So the experiencer needs to be in a receptive state. I can mean all kinds of things, but for me, you know, I was just sitting there on a windowsill, got nothing to do except watch the the heart monitor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of, yeah, I was in a receptive state, maybe in a hypnotic state. I don't know. It's just maybe, yeah, watching it. Yeah. You're just sitting there watching the, the monitor. There's nothing yeah. going on. And the last thing that seems to be really the pivotal thing is that the one making the transition, in this case, it was Nolan, mm-hmm. um, invites the person in the physical to come with them. So in my case, I probably had two invitations, one for Mary Fran and Nolan. Mm-hmm. So I got like double invited. That's cool. And um, and that invitation um, takes the form of changing my vibratory level. And so they reach back into the physical and that process, which I have no idea what the mechanics of it are, but the process of them, um, you know, like it's almost like they build a bridge of loving energy between the two. And then that bridge ups my energy level to match where they're at and poof. So, um, and it's probably both my physical and my non-physical body, but for certain it's my non-physical body. So that that's that's the important thing is that they make the invitation back. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for us on this side to be able to go, oh, I'm going to raise my vibratory level up to match my departing loved one. Well, mm-hmm. you, A, you have to be trained at it. You got to do it on command. And which, which vibratory level are you going to pick? I mean, there's a zillion of them out there. So um, the invite back is the is the key thing for a shared death experience. I would think with that invite too, because like you say, you're, you know, you're sitting there staring at the monitor. There's nothing else going through your head except you're watching the monitor. And then when you see him and he invites you over, your mind automatically switches to, oh my gosh, yes, I'm so glad to see you, blah, 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 blah. So you're really, you know, you're ready to be accepting of that. Yep. So you can go over. Yeah. And it felt like it was the most natural thing in the world. There wasn't, I, I, I'm glad you said it the way you did. Um, because there wasn't any of this, oh my gosh, it's Nolan. He's come back. There's Mary Fran. Surprise. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was like, um, I was with them again. You know, it just, 
it just seemed so easy. It wasn't hard. It was, you know, it was heartfelt. It was like, boom, there you are. In fact, my, uh, you'll love this. So I was telling you the story about my, my office mate Mm -hmm. and he had, um, he was walking down the hall and he saw his wife standing at the other end of the hall and the two of them came together and they hugged each other in the hall. And he says to her, um, Barb, I, I've had this terrible dream that you had died and I'm just so glad to see you again. So it felt very natural. And of course she had to respond with, you know, I, I did die. And I saw that you were having a hard time and they saw that you were having a hard time and they sent me back here to tell you that you're going to be okay. I am really okay. So don't, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, cool. what an, what an awesome story. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Was there any sensation at all when your bodies rejoined or, or, when, or when your consciousness rejoined? Um, I would tell you that it's like it clicked back into 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 place again. Mm-hmm. You know, it it the closest I can explain it, it's like you have a physical body and a non-physical body, mm-hmm. and then for that for that brief amount of time, it's we'll use an electrical term. It's like they're out of phase with each other. You know, they're just one out of phase, and. And so, you know, here you are in the same spot, but you're experiencing something in a in a different dimension because you're vibrating at a different level. And then when that quits, it's like click, you come back into place again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't difficult. Um, you know, I've had people tell me that, oh my God, how horrible it was because they had this expanded body and they had to be squished you know, into the physical body again. And the physical body was cold and it's cramped. And, and, and in the case of near-death experiencers, you know, many of the times, there's something really wrong with that physical body. <laughs> it's, it's been in an accident. It's drowned. It's, you know, got hit by lightning or something. And so when it clicks into place again, there's a lot of pain mm-hmm. that, that, they're now aware of that they weren't aware of when they were, you know, not aligned again. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I highly recommend um, not doing the whole physical trauma thing till your body dies to have this experience. You know, really do it through meditation. It's a lot more fun. So after this happened, did you start doing research into it? Because it would have been something that totally took you off guard. Um, yeah, (laughs) um, that's a really great question because, um, one of the things we know about near death experiencers is that they become intensely curious afterwards. And that's what happened to me. And this sounds a lot more logical than it was at the time, but I knew that if I had been in that space once that 
I could go back to that space again. If I could be with Mary Fran and Nolan in whatever dimension that was once, that I should be able to figure out what it is to do to make that happen again. And, you know, the best thing I could come up with was, why don't I go to these ancient sacred sites? You know, maybe there's some, still some magic juju that will, you know, help propel me into, you know, the next dimension. Because there's clearly something has happened in these sites. So, you know, I went to see Stonehenge and Machu Picchu and the Great Pyramid and the Sphinx and the Oracle of Delphi and da 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 da, da you know, so, and more cathedrals than I could shake a stick at, okay, just crickets, just crickets, nothing, <laughs> nothing happened. I had great vacations. I got to see some wonderful country, um, and, and but nothing. I was propelled nowhere. All right. So, you know, then I said, well, maybe it takes more active nature. Mm -hmm. So I started practicing some meditation. I was doing, I started out with TM um, and, you know, I went and I, I studied with the shamans in both North America and South America. That was kind of fun. Uh, the Emoto religion over in Japan. Um, and, you know, I got some glimpses, but it really didn't happen for me until I found the Monroe Institute. And the Monroe Institute, um, for those of you who are listening who haven't um, know or don't know anything about it, uh, Bob Monroe, back in 1971, wrote a book called Journeys Out of the Body. He was the first person to write a book about astral travel, leaving your physical body, coming back again. And it was this huge, huge phenomenon. It was, it was a bestseller. People from all over the world were going, that's what happened to me, you know? And all of a sudden they got validation and they said, yes, I'm not weird. I, I am not going crazy. I, this is, I'm glad it's happened to somebody else. And a bunch of people said they want to do it too. Mm -hmm. So uh, what he did uh, was to look around for a way to help put people into a very specific um, meditative state that would allow people to leave their bodies more easily and, you know, learn how to do that OBE experience um, on command at will. And he stumbled across a very old technology. Um, it was actually discovered back in the 1880s called binaural beats. Ooh. And binaural beats works. It's got a very simple premise. So you wear headphones and you put one tone into one ear, say 100 hertz. Mm -hmm. And you put another tone into the other ear, say 104 hertz. Mm -hmm. And what the brain tries to do is to equalize those two tones. Um, and it can't because mm -hmm. it's inherent. They're inherently, you know, two different sounds. And so what the brain does is it sets up a third tone that it hears all by itself inside their head. 
And that tone is the difference between the two. So using the scenario I just talked about, you mm -hmm. have 100 and 104. What the brain does is it sets up and it starts to hear a third tone, which is four hertz. Now, if that would be true, if I was doing that right now, I would go because that's the vibration of deep sleep. And, and so by adjusting the difference, you can adjust what the brain begins to hear. And eventually, after a little bit of time, it starts to vibrate. Both halves start to work together as one unit instead of two units, and they vibrate at that third tone. So what Bob Monroe did, his genius was that he started to layer them. And he said, what I need to do is I need to get people to relax their bodies so they forget about their bodies, but they can't be asleep because, well, what's the point of that? You know, we aren't doing this consciously anymore. We're So he layered them and he said, okay, I'm going to have that four hertz differential there. So that's deep sleep. And then I'm going to put in a 12 hertz. So that's where we are when we're, our mind is bright, awake and clear. And now all of a sudden you enter into a meditative state where your mind is bright, awake and clear and your body is asleep. And that's the state that Bob used um, to jump off when he would go do all of his out of body adventures. Um, you know, at the Monroe Institute, we call that mind awake, body asleep. Pretty mm -hmm. straightforward there, huh? <laughs> and yeah, and it works fabulously well. And then over time, he said, well, what if I, you know, made it a little bigger, a little smaller? What if I added extra ones? And what he discovered was that there's all these vibratory states out there. And each one of them has certain characteristics specific to that vibratory state. And, and you can go and explore that. So mm -hmm. for near-death experiencers, you know, there's a vibratory state when you meet your guide or when you go down the tunnel. Um, and especially if that reunion that happens with your departed loved ones, there's a being of light. He's at it. He, it, it is at a, um, a vibratory state as is the life review and that area of um, life between lives, mm -hmm. um, you know, near death experience. This is really interesting. Near, near death experiencers and Bob Monroe called it the same thing. They call it the park. Wow. And it's, you know, it exists at a particular set of frequencies. And so the cool thing about binaural beats is that you can learn them. So you wear the headphones a couple, three, four times, and then you go, oh, yeah, I remember what that feels like. And you don't need the headphones anymore. You can throw them away. So the brain is really good at learning these kinds of tools that we can use to navigate the non-physical universe. And so anyway, that, I'm sorry. That's a, this is a long no, that's good. That's answer good. Answer to your question. It's good to know this stuff. No, it's good to know this stuff and how it's done. So by utilizing this stuff, were, were, were you able to go back? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And how did that go? Well, it was lovely, of course. <laughs> I had um, 
I went to, uh, you know, the, the first course at the Monroe Institute is called Gateway. Mm-hmm. And during the Gateway course, I had an experience uh, meeting Mary Fran. And then um, I went back to Monroe and they have a second course that's called Guidelines, which is contacting your guides. Mm-hmm. And um, there I solidified my relationship with her. I, you know, figured out how to, how to, how the two of us could communicate and we'd have a place to be. And, and, you know, Nolan and I had, you know, friends and relatives. So I was able to really connect with departed loved ones. And it's interesting though, because, um, Mary Fran, um, was real active with me at the beginning. And once I figured out how to make that transition, we had lots of conversations and then it was, it was like, you know, I got stuff to do mm-hmm. <laughs> off she goes. And then I wouldn't hear from her for a long time. And then ta-da, she comes back. So it was like these cycles, you know, it was like, Oh, you can, you know, and so Nolan, on the other hand, um, has always been with me. Once we made contact, I mean, Nolan is right there. I mean, I, I can, I can feel him now and he's always around and providing me good advice. And he's very funny. And one of the things that, um, so how it works for me anyway, is that I set up this place in my mind. Um, for us, it's a park bench that looks like those park benches in Central Park. You know, they got wood slats and on the end there's kind of a scrolly ironwork. Sure. Anyway, so it's in a park. It's on this gravel path, this park bench. And all I have to do is picture that park bench and me sitting on the park bench and he shows up. That's kind of like our our invitation. I'm I'm going. And we then have conversations and it's been long enough. I mean, it's, it's over 40 years now since um, Nolan made his transition. And depending upon what it is that he wants to talk about, um, he'll show up as being seven or 20 or 35 or a petulant teenager. I mean, (laughs) you know, time over there is, um doesn't work like it does here and so it changes as does our our conversation so we have a um it's ever evolving yeah i was going to ask you about the age thing because i remember after my mother died um she would come back i wouldn't have your experiences but i would see her like sitting on my couch and every time she came back she got younger Mm. I watched her de-age. So whatever was going on over there, she was going back to a time that she wanted to look good, and, you know, and, and all that. So I was curious about, you know, how you saw Nolan. Were you able to see him as, uh, as an adult? Yeah. So um, that's interesting you should say that because I don't remember ever seeing Nolan older than his earth years. And I, that's really interesting. So like right now, you know, if I were to meet Nolan on the park bench, 
and he shows up as an 83 year old man. Yeah. That just hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, he'd be 46 now or something. And, you know, he's never older than that. He's a lot of things in between, but I never thought about that till you just said that. Hmm. Now, my question is the, 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 obviously the, the road center, did they have a lot of people there that were trying to do this? Um, trying to learn how to do out of body yeah. stuff. Yes. Yes. Oh yeah. About, about a thousand a year wow. would, would come and learn these techniques and other techniques too. Um, mm -hmm. Because what, you know, Bob Monroe started off by trying to teach people how to do out-of-body experiences. But this gateway course that he developed um, is so much more than that. It's like like the out-of-body is the hook. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, come on in. We'll teach you how to do that. And then when you get there and he teaches you how to enter into and hold the states of expanded awareness. And it gives you all these tools for how to navigate in that space and how to communicate in that space mm -hmm. that, I mean, after my gateway, I was like, well, you know, if you want to do the out of body stuff, that's just fine. But that wound up not being what was important to me. What was mm -hmm. important was I was able to enter into that expanded state of awareness where Mary, Fran, and Nolan were and be able to communicate in that space and go back there whenever I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, people wind up um, coming and learning about all kinds of things. You know, there's, yes, there's, there's I think, 35 different courses now mm -hmm. about different aspects of the exploring the non-physical universe. So, yeah, we have discovered a ton more since he did his early work. And, you know, as it should be. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely fascinating to me that people can do that. I mean, I've done meditation. I teach meditation courses, basic meditation courses, you know, where I can steer people to their, um, to their uh, guardians, you know, in, in, in yep. the book of answers and all that stuff. But I've never steered anybody to see people that have passed away. So I think this is all fascinating. Well, and it's, and they're, well, <laughs> at least in my case, I have some very funny dead relatives. So whenever I go, it's just, it's just lovely. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, Ann and I lost a child due to a miscarriage mm -hmm. and she's there and have had a chance to, um, her name was Abigail and, you know, had a chance to connect with her and, and boy, does that make a, a parent feel better mm -hmm. knowing what the place was. And she's really cute. <laughs> Looks just like her mom. That's awesome. So can anybody do this? Yep. Anybody can do it. Um, that's a lovely thing about, uh, binaural beats mm -hmm. is that it's a hundred percent effective. All right. I should probably make that 99.9 .9 or something just for, I am not selling their mm -hmm. product. So anyway, let's just put it this way. It's very effective. 
And, you know, um, and one of the things, the reason is because it's, um, you know, you're hearing. Mm -hmm. And, and so the body just knows what to do. You don't have to do anything. And in fact, it's counterproductive. So it's like just relaxing into the tones. Um, yeah, when it doesn't work, it's usually because somebody has um, a damaged nerve in their ear. Mm -hmm. And we've had people who are deaf do really well uh, because the the nerve was still good. It was the ear, you know, the cochlea was was damaged, but the the nerve leading to the brain, you know, that was still in great shape. So you can pick up the vibration through the mastoid bones, mm -hmm. and you know, not just the same thing. You just wear headphones. Um, yes, and so it's it's very very effective, and um. All right. So what makes this more of a challenge, though, I'm going to put a caveat on what I just said, mm -hmm. was that, you know, when we're in the non-physical world, we have seven senses. Okay. You know, here on the physical earth, we have five. And, and so when you're in the non-physical world, you can get information, or you can perceive energy. And of course, the easy way, because this is what you see in the movies, is that it's visual. Right. Well, it may not be visual. You may feel it in your body, so it's kinesthetic. Um, I have a guide that shows up for me, and when she does, I get the scent of jasmine. So it's a, it's a, I smell her presence. I had a woman who, um, when she was going through her gateway experience, um, she knew when her mom showed up because she could taste gin and that her mother was an alcoholic and that was her favorite drink. And, and so you can taste information and which ones am I leaving out? Hearing, feeling, touch. Anyway. Um, and so, it's a bit of a challenge as a, as a facilitator mm -hmm. to help people to broaden their sense of um, how information may come. And when you're in the non-physical universe, um, there's a thing called synesthesia, which is um, you have your senses are mixed. So you might smell a color or you might taste a sound. So it's, it's now perceived differently than just the one sense alone. And so you got to kind of be aware of that too. Mm -hmm. And then uh, my favorite, and it takes the longest to learn is um, intuition gestalt. Well, all of a sudden you're just in this meditative state and you know something. It just, you just know something and there's no, you know, nothing leading up to it. There wasn't anything. There's no story. There's no context. Boom. You just know. And, and why that's difficult is that um, it takes a while to trust it. 
A, to identify that's what's happening, and then B, to learn how to trust it. And then once you learn to trust it, then that's great because now you can start to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just know that you're supposed to buy that book or you're supposed to take a left at this corner or you need to talk to that person. Boom, boom, boom. And all this information can come through just knowing you're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. And somebody, you know, they'll often say, well, how did you, how did you know to do what you did? Uh, you know, and the best you can come up with, it was from like policemen will always talk about, well, my gut told me what to do or, you know, my intuition told me, or I just had this feeling. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when you get to that stage, boy, that's when the fun starts to happen. Absolutely. I was just thinking about the, uh, sight and smell thing that you were talking about yeah. my mother passed away i knew she didn't want to be taken to the coroner's office dirty so i gave her a bath i gave her a bath in a certain scented soap so going back to what you were talking about when my mother comes to visit me i can tell because i smell that soap you smell the soap mm-hmm. yep isn't that fun oh yeah smell. hey mom Nice to have you here. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you uh, do you work with other people that have had similar experiences, or you know, because you know so much about this? Um, well, yes. So, okay. uh, from the near death side, um, I did my doctoral research on on near death experiences and have been actively involved with the International Association for Near-Death Studies for uh, 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. I'm their MC at their international conferences. So I get, to, I get to meet people, I get to talk to people. You know, my favorite thing to do at the conferences, everybody, you know, has got those big name tags, Scott, right. you know. <laughs> but there's a like a little sticker on that you can get that says I've, that means I've had an experience and I'd love to tell, tell you the story. And, you know, you see somebody walking down the hall and you go, you got a few minutes. I'd like to hear your story. And, you know, yeah, just involved in the, in that whole community. And, um, it's, (laughs) it's another one of those. It's like, go to a conference. that's all about near death. And, Mm -hmm. It's one of the most fun things that you'll do. These people are a hoot and a half. <laughs> They're just, oh, well, partly it's because once they've had their, their near-death experience, one of the things they begin to realize is that we have all of these imposed rules that come from our culture, and, and they can just see right through that and go, you know what? I'm not going to do that rule. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be more of who I am. And I'm going to live the life that is consistent with what I learned in my near-death experience. And that just makes for some terrific people that you get a chance to know. And I started off answering a question. I went down a a rabbit hole. Um, Oh, well. Remember remember. what you asked me? (laughs) Just if you if, if you talk to and and we're in you know kind of oh yes and all that. yeah 
so yes, from from the academic side, um, and then been involved in the near death world and the shared death experience world for a long time. And then on the flip side is um, all this work. I was a facilitator for the Monroe Institute for 35 years and their executive director for two. And so I spent a lot of time helping people to enter into and hold these expanded states of awareness. And the, the trick for me was how can we alter those tones so that we can put you in the right vibratory state so that it's easy for you to experience the tunnel or to talk with your dead relatives at the reunion or, you know, to merge with this being of light, which is incredible. Um, and so, yeah, it took a while and it, and it takes a while to write a script that is um, when you're doing a guided meditation, you have people in these very expanded open states. And so your directions have to be really clear and precise. And so folks don't misinterpret or get lost or, you know, have, have different interpretations of the words that you're using. It, it winds up being a, a, a really, um, interesting uh journalistic feat to to actually write a guided meditation that does what you want it to do mm -hmm. and but you know you do it for a while and you, you know, there's kind of a you get the hang of how to how to say things mm -hmm. and you know frankly you have to be really respectful because you know folks are they're wide open and right and you want to bring them back gently and close down those doors of communication if that's what you want or, mm -hmm. you know, learn to open it. So anyway, it's a, so both from the near death side and from the exploring the non-physical universe side. Um, yeah. I've had quite a trip these last 40 years. Fantastic. Scott, this hour blew by. Oh my gosh. Are we done? Yeah. Ooh. I learned so much from you. Oh my gosh. This is so, fantastic. Charlotte, this has been awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Obviously, I had a really good time because I didn't know what time it was. Well, thank you for coming on. And we'd love to have you on again at some point. How's that sound? That sounds awesome. Can I do a commercial? Absolutely. Go for it. We, you know, at the beginning, I told you that we had retreats and workshops and albums. They're all available at neardeathmeditations.com neardeathmeditations.com and if you're interested in uh, podcasts where that feature researchers or experiencers go to the afterlife files on youtube and we've got a bunch of episodes up they're just great so thank you for letting me do that no problem and thank you for coming on and thank you for being so patient after the last show my god <laughs> but uh yeah uh, i would love to have you on again in the future if that's okay and we can talk more about this i love it and congratulations on the investment in your new <laughs> internet service it's yes, working great yes. works great all right sir well you have a good uh rest of the week then all right i will okay thank you all bye, -bye right. now bye bye, -bye.
All right, I learned so much. Athena, I have an answer to your question. In fact, this is interesting. When you talk about having that, um, I'm reading this now, uh, Slender Cord. Uh, when I was first started uh, doing this and I was having uh, what I want to call paranormal issues, I started to read up on Sylvia Brown a lot. And one of the things Sylvia Brown talks about, just like we talked about with Scott, I talked about with Scott, with having the, like, th like three feet to the other side, she talks about a, a slender cord that, that leads from all of us, that attaches to the other side. So there is a slender cord. So you might want to check out Sylvia Brown. Anyway, that was a great show. I enjoyed it. At least we got through it without getting bumped off the air every five seconds. Uh, tomorrow, we're shifting gears. We'll be back at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, our usual time. I'm a nut for, um, I'm a nut, right? We're all a nut. I love the Guinness Book of World Records. I love reading up on facts. I'm a facts person. You know, I'm one of these people that, you know, I find these stories of, of front, you know, weird facts too, of frogs dropping out of the sky, you know, just odd things like that. The gentleman who's on tomorrow, Charles Reichbloom, I hope I said his name right, has compiled several books on facts. And there's well-known facts, and there's little-known facts, and there's weird facts. So he's going to be on to talk about some of those. Say it. Shall we say it together? Facts. All right. So it's going to be interesting to see what he has to say, because, um, you know, there's some really cool stories out there that you may not be aware of. I may not be aware of. Or there's stuff that we are aware of that there's just more to it. So we're going to find out tomorrow. And that's with Charles Reichbloom tomorrow, 630 p.m. Pacific here, right here on our channel. OK, anyway, if you guys like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show. Share it with five of your enemies. I'd rather get our name out there no matter what. So just start shoving our name out there, people. If there's someone in the house right now that's listening and you want to um, and you want to share it with them, bring them in the room right now before we get off the air. Here's, here's how you do it. So look us up on Facebook. Uh, there's several California Haunts pages over there, including California Haunts Ghost Events for a lot of our live events broadcast. And uh, go ahead and uh, like the show or like the page and and uh, become a follower, or you can you can head on over to TikTok where we do a lot of stuff. And uh, I know TikTok's kind of scary for people, but it's not that it's not scary as you think it is. Anyway, uh, you can find us again at California Haunts. It's all lowercase. Like and follow over there as well. There's a lot of videos over there that you might be interested in. Also, our YouTube page, okay, YouTube.com forward slash at FSM at California Haunts Radio. That'll that, that'll get you directly to our YouTube page instead of having to search in Monkey Duck. And you can check out all our videos there because we have a lot going on. Plus, our upcoming stuff is always over there. Okay? So, uh, anyway, I want to thank you all for coming today. I know it was earlier than our usual time, but uh, this guy's fascinating to listen to. And uh, hopefully tomorrow you'll like what we have to offer as well. All right? I want to thank you, Athena and Teresa. Thank you. And everybody that was listening tonight and the people that are going to be listening to the podcast, I want to thank all of you as well. And uh, I haven't done this in a while, but I'm going to go ahead and do it today. It's the holidays and stuff and the end of the month's coming. Um, I have to pay bills just like everybody else to keep the show on the air. So if you feel it in your heart to help me out a little bit, that would be great. It's at paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, you can do that at Venmo. Just type in California Haunts. It's like anything else. Internet, you know, got to pay that bill. Upgraded. And uh, got to pay for mics, things that break, computers that break and stuff. And so it all comes out of my pocket. California Haunts does not take money to do any of their investigations. We do it because we want to help people. But it does help every once in a while we get a donation. So if you guys can find it in your heart, 
that would be great. I'd, I would appreciate it. All right. Well, I'm going to sign off now. And um, he did really well uh, as far as uh, his website. But I'm going to go ahead and show that again for you guys so you guys know it. And uh, here we go. So his websites are the Afterlife Files, which is his podcast. So you guys can write that down. That's the Afterlife Files. That's where you'll find him on YouTube. And NearDeathMeditations.com is his website. Okay, and we'll repeat that. NearDeathMeditations.com. All right, guys and gals, I'll see you tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a good evening.